This is How to Become a Pro Wrestler, the podcast. Where we teach you the skills you need to go from your living room to the main event. What's up, guys? Welcome back to How to Become a Pro Wrestler, the podcast. I'm Coach John. I'm here today, as always, with Aaron. Aaron, what is up, man? Hey, John. Excited to be here once again, ready to get this going. We have some more uh, questions from the yes. Facebook group here. Yes. So, Always excited to answer questions from the Facebook group. So, that being said, join us on Facebook, where you can ask us these questions. All you got to do is go to the search bar, type in how to become a pro wrestler, check out our red, white, and blue logo, join us on there. You just got to drop us your email, answer a couple questions, and you can dive right in. You can talk to me, you can talk to Aaron, you can talk to all the other great members of that group and ask us all these cool questions when we prompt you or when we don't. You want to ask a question anytime, go for it. Sometimes we'll talk about it right here on the podcast, which is what we're going to do today. So before we get started, I want to talk to you a little bit about how to become a pro wrestler, us, the company. I want to reiterate a little bit the reason why we started in the first place. So we are here to instill the importance of mastering the basics so you can perform and thrive anywhere as a pro wrestler. We created this company to address many of the following things. You can't find a school. You can't make the travel to a school. You don't have a vehicle. It's too far away. You're not certain if the school is even trustworthy. Do you know the person running it? Do they have a good reputation? Can you even find that information? You've got no support from your family. That's something that I talked about having myself or not having myself. No support Personally, that's what this Facebook group is for, guys. That's why we created this group, so you could have a support system like us there. And most importantly to me right now, there's no consistency in pro wrestling training. There is no true standard way of achieving your baseline set of skills as a pro wrestler. So that's why we created How to Become a Pro Wrestler. We created that support system with the Facebook group. And today, we are going to answer another round of questions from our Facebook group. They are the support system that you need, guys. We're here for you, and that's what we want to do. So, that's enough chatting. Let's get right into it, Aaron. What is our first question of the day? Yeah, John, so our first question is coming from Jason, and he is asking, how important is your entrance? How important is your entrance? I think we touched about this just a little bit on the last Q&A, but it was, um, it was about entrance music specifically. So, entrance music is super important. Um, if you want to know more about why entrance music is important for your individual character, go back and listen to that last Q&A because there's a lot of good info just specifically about the music choice. But um, I want to talk to you about, so how important is your entrance? It's incredibly important because we've all heard about the importance of first impressions, right? On how hard it is to change someone's first impression of you later. So when you walk through that curtain as a pro wrestler, you got about 30 seconds before people pass a conclusion about the way you look or the way you're acting, um, people judge your personality, your competence that quick just based on how you look to them in that moment. You got about 30 seconds before that happens, guys. So you got to really think about what you're going to do when you step through that curtain. No, you know, what are you going to do? What are you wearing? What is the expression on your face? What are you trying to get across to them, right? Like, what are you trying to get people to think about you and how can you lead them in that direction within the first 30 seconds of stepping through that curtain? So, you know, 30 seconds isn't enough to truly know someone, but those snap judgments last longer than you think and it can be 
super difficult to change people's opinion of you in that situation. So it's important to manage those first impressions and increase the odds of making the correct one with your audience based on what you need. Are you a heel? Are you a face? Good guy, bad guy, etc. What are you trying to accomplish? Are you trying to scare them? Are you trying to get them to clap and jump on their feet? So in pro wrestling, uh, if you don't know already, it's tradition that the heel, the bad guy, typically makes his entrance first. That's kind of how it's always set up. The bad guy makes his entrance first, and the heel's job from the moment he steps through that curtain is to make sure that the fans know he's the bad guy, they know he's the heel, and they're more likely to cheer the next person that they see just on default because they hate this guy already. It's, it's a lot easier to make people hate you than it is to make them love you. That's just a fact. You can come through and start cussing and, and you know, not, not literally, but start, start being angry and a mean person and people are immediately going to kind of dislike you. So that right there can really benefit your opponent, your baby face, because then they're already getting some cheers as soon as they walk through the curtain. You want to be hated. Right? You want to be hated if you're the bad guy. That is your job. You want that, that heat, as we call it. So heels, do your job. You want to be hated. You want your opponent to be cheered because it's going to make for a better performance overall in the first place. So it's super, super important to make that first impression count. All kinds of ways you can do that with music. Like I said, go back and listen to that. Uh, with your physical conditioning, I mean, we ramp that up a lot on this podcast, right? You need to look like an athlete. Guys, if you're stepping through that curtain and you're just obviously out of shape, you look bad, people judge you on that immediately. And I mean, maybe, you know, in, in day-to-day life, you know, it's not a great way to be, but when you're judging quote-unquote athletes and they're walking through the curtain to do an athletic performance, which is what pro wrestling is, it's hard not to judge somebody when they don't look like they've ever touched a set of weights in their life. So be careful about that, guys. Think about that. Go back a couple episodes and listen to us talking about what WWE requires in its recruits. World-class athleticism, size, strength. I mean, all right, guys, keep that in mind. First impressions are super important. Your entrances are incredibly important for setting the tone for your entire performance the rest of the night. Hey, John, yep. and as a fan, um, you know, I think the entrances are probably some of my favorite parts. Yeah. I, I love to see who's going to come out of the curtain mm-hmm. and, you know, who they are, how they're dressed, yeah. how they look, all of that. Um so that yeah, vital. Like, and I'm gonna judge you quicker than thirty. I'm gonna judge you in the first like ten seconds. I'm giving. I'm honestly. I'm being a little generous <laughs> with my thirty seconds because that's another reason why the Royal Rumble is one of the most popular events, the most popular oh, yeah. event after WrestleMania, because it's got all those entrances, right? And people love to anticipate who's coming out next, what they're gonna see. And at the Royal Rumble, it's mostly based on just who they are. You know, they're not gonna usually do their full like entrance, but. Even when you're sitting at a crowd at an indie wrestling show, you're, you're excited to see who comes through next. If you've seen a card and it says, you know, uh, uh, whatever, uh, Johnny Lightning is about to come out, you, you're kind of excited, like, well, what is this guy going to look like? What is, it, what is he going to do? Yeah. What is he going to act like? And, I mean, you don't want to be disappointed by that, that step through the curtain if, if, yeah, that's their name, but they're just wearing whatever, a pair of blue jeans and their music doesn't say anything about their personality and they're not doing anything to get you excited. Like you got to think about that guys. First impressions are incredibly important and your first impression in pro wrestling is your entrance. So there you go. All right, man. What's next, Aaron? What do we got? Uh, Question number two comes from Tommy and he's asking, can you give us some specific cardio examples to to prepare for matches? Okay. So we have an entire episode on conditioning, for pro wrestlers. So cardio, 
for pro wrestlers. We did an entire episode on that. I love that episode. It's long. It's super detailed. It's us talking about conditioning in pro wrestling. So I want you to go back and listen to that, but I'm going to give you a couple, just what Tommy asked there, specific examples right now. So like we've said before, you can absolutely train in the gym or at home for the ring. You can get in ring shape outside of the ring. That is a myth that I am, I am just bent on busting right there. You can get in ring shape outside of a ring. So pro wrestling matches are series of peaks and valleys with moments of incredibly high intensity followed by brief periods of low intensity, you know, even rest sometimes, rest holds. Sometimes we grab a hold and we rest. So this style of interval performance needs to be mimicked inside the gym. And, and he asked for a specific example. So I'm going to give him one that I have done this week, like specifically that I've done this week and I've done before that I love. So one of my personal favorite ways to get in ring style conditioning inside the gym is with burpees. We all know burpees, right? If you don't, so burpees are where you're standing nice and tall. You drop your, your hands to the ground, your feet jump back like you're in a push-up position, drop your thighs and your chest to the floor, then you hop your feet back to your hands, stand up tall, clap your hands overhead, jump up high. That's a burpee, all right? Notorious. They're, they're absolutely you know, painful, but in a great way in the gym for conditioning yourself. And again, we've talked about this before, Aaron, but like, look at what a burpee looks like and then think about what you do in a ring. Think about in pro wrestling where you're doing, we do drop downs and the, the opponent jumps over you, then you hop back to your feet. That's a burpee, ladies and gentlemen. That's exactly what that is. So burpees in a medicine ball. I will do 12, you know, 15, 20 seconds of super high intensity burpees, as many as possible. You know, that's, that's, if, if you're doing a short amount of time, like 12 seconds, 15 seconds, you're only going to get two, three reps, but you do them as fast as humanly possible. You do 20 seconds, you can get a few more. You do as many as possible followed by a set of med ball slams where my lungs are still working, but on a med ball slam, when you lift it up overhead, you can get a big breath in you, you slam it down, you're, re- you're, you're getting a little bit of rest in there to where you can control your breathing for a second before you go back into those crazy burpees. So the workout that I do might look like 20 seconds of burpees, 15 med ball slams, and then 10 seconds of rest mm-hmm. for three to five rounds. That right there will translate to what you do in a ring. If you truly push yourself, in those 20 seconds of burpees and then those 15 med ball slams and then give yourself just 10 seconds to go get a couple deep breaths in there and then go right back into it three to five rounds and you're done in what like you're, you're done in just a handful of minutes and your conditioning is over you know 10 minutes give yourself 10 minutes and you don't have to spend countless hours on a treadmill you can get that in in five ten minutes and get some in-ring style conditioning and and you know what i would do that workout five ten minutes and then I would, I would grab a heavy sandbag, a heavy medicine ball, and I would bear hug that sucker right into my rib cage, right into my sternum, and I would just do a carry for like five to 10 minutes. I would just care, hug the crap out of that ball, stand nice and tall, and just walk. That's it, breathing. And that, that med ball, that sandbag pressed up against your, your diaphragm, your rib cage, is gonna make it hard to breathe. And guess what it's gonna feel like, guys? It's gonna feel like you're in a wrestling ring, trying to move bodies around. And you can do that for five to 10 minutes. Those two workouts together, the, the burpee med ball slams and then the med ball carry, combine those together, 20 minutes tops. I mean, on the low end, it's 10 minutes. So you do those two right there. You can get some crazy in-ring style conditioning inside the gym. Aaron posted some videos talking about our Facebook group into our actual Facebook 
page a while back, and I think you incorporated med balls in yours too. Tell, can you walk them through that a little bit? Yeah, I think that video had uh, two exercises as well. Uh-huh. It was um, medicine ball overhead slams, yeah, and then it was a shuttle run uh, where, awesome. you're, where you're touching um, the floor with your hands. Yeah. Um, and I did that one three different ways because the point of that video was to show that you can have two very simple exercises mm-hmm. and you can incorporate it in different ways just like a match would go. So, you know, like you were saying, you have peaks and valleys in the yes. match. So you may be going hard for 30 seconds, get a breath, and or you may be going hard for two minutes and get sure. a breath. Right? So you have to train for all those scenarios that you're going to see in the ring. Yes. So what it was, I can't remember exactly, John, mm-hmm. but it was something, it was like 10-second shuttle run. Yeah. And then I was resting for 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And then I was hitting 10 seconds of medicine ball slams and resting for 30. So short amount of like high intensity right. uh, with triple the rest. Right. And then I was doubling it up where I was doing shuttle runs for 10 seconds, mm-hmm. medicine balls immediately after for 10 seconds. Yep. And then I was resting for 30 seconds. Right. So now it's I'm cutting down on the rest, uh, or not cutting down on the rest, I'm making the uh, work time longer, right. same rest time. And then the last one we did, I think there was either no rest in there at all, mm-hmm. or, or I cut the rest in half, um, or I just kept going for like five minutes. Right. Like, you know, or maybe probably not five minutes on that one, it was probably more like three minutes. Sure, sure. But just going hard for the whole time. And it doesn't take long, guys. And no. if you want, if you want, you know, even more detailed with video demonstrations of what Aaron just said to you, you got to join our Facebook page. Join our Facebook group, drop your email, join that page, and you can see those video demonstrations of those actual movements. So, heck yeah. yeah. Well, and with, you know, Tommy, it says, you know, specific cardio examples, mm-hmm. um, and there's a ton of examples we can give you. We'll post some more on the Facebook sure. page um, and maybe throw in some more for those weekly tips. Yeah. But, one point I want to make in here is you don't want to go crazy on the cardio right, right. because you if if you're trying to get bigger and yep. stronger and stuff if you go too crazy on the cardio it's not going to help you it's as much as you think your, your muscle building yeah. your high that high intensity yeah. stuff you could you know take a walk or a hike mm-hmm. or do some slow cardio and that'd be okay still I wouldn't do that a, a, a ton but yeah. this this high intensity stuff you don't want to do every day right no not at all and and this it's you know quick like we just said you know it's 5 10 minutes you know guys you're pushing yourself to the limit and then you're you're getting rest in there as well so no not something you need to do every single day of the week but those are some great examples of things that you could do yeah. all right man all right Aaron um i know we got one more question and it's kind of a hefty one so uh, go ahead let's dive into it what we got yeah we got a question from Casey and the question is what's the best way to handle a botch the botch all right i knew this was coming so the dreaded botch as we call it a wrestler's worst nightmare truly truly indeed i've been there i've been on the i've been on the receiving end of a few botches in my life it's unfortunate but it happens so they're just a part of wrestlers lives guys they are inevitable big or small they are going to happen no matter how talented you are um so before i get too far ahead of myself i just want to define like what a botch is because that's kind of wrestling lingo so let's 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 dive into what a botch is so a botch is just when you have a planned move a segment, a spot, you know, a sequence of moves or something in a match. Um, it could be as simple as a clothesline or a punch. It could be as complicated as a, as a, you know, a hip toss into a drop down into a leapfrog and one piece of that could go wrong. Or it could even just be a promo where you're speaking and you say something wrong. I'm going to give you a few examples of things like that, but um, you could be talking and you could, you know, you could stammer, you could flub, you could just forget what your point was, you could trail off. Um, you can mispronounce somebody's name or the name of a town. I mean, there's, there's all different ways that you can botch 
in a promo as well. So most botches are harmless physically, but some have resulted in serious injury or even injured people's careers just by being so bad. So um, for the most part, you can survive a botch and carry on. Sometimes you can even spin it into a positive. And the most popular example of that for me is the Shockmaster. So if you don't know the Shockmaster, Shockmaster was a guy who was debuting and he had this big moment where he was going to bust through a wall and he was going to be there with Sting and Ric Flair. It was set up to be this great, great moment. But he busts through this wall. He trips. He falls. He was wearing a mask. His mask falls off of his head. He has to stumble, pick it up, put it back on his head, and then he has to go into his promo that he was going to cut and act like nothing happened. And guys, when you watch Shockmaster, if you haven't seen it, you know, go go just Google Shockmaster debut. And when you watch it, it's so bad, you know, it's, really bad. it's so bad that you almost think it had to be planned that way, right? Yeah. Like, but it's not guys. It is an, it is a unfortunate accident that has since then kind of turned into a positive because Shockmaster himself now does conventions and circuits and meet and greets and autograph signings, and he owns it. He absolutely owns it. They sell action figures of him now that are upside down in the packaging. Like he actually, yeah. they, they have him upside down with his mask like a, a few inches away from his actual head. Like it's it's so funny. He owns it. He loves it. He's made tons of money off of it now. But it's just something that it took years to overcome that one, and his career definitely took a nosedive because of that. But, you know, they do sometimes come back around, guys. So I want to walk through some of the various types of botches and some ways that you can survive them. So I'm going to start pretty, pretty timid here with, with uh, uh, you know, less dangerous ones. And we're going to talk about promos. So the more comfortable you become delivering promos, the less likely you will be to botch. That's right off the bat. So be sure you're practicing your promos regularly and approaching bookers, asking for the opportunity to deliver promos. We dropped a video in our email um, that where I talked about, you know, reps is what gets you better. Just like in the gym when you're doing reps on a bench press, you got to do reps in your promo. Every single promotion out there, every indie wrestling company now has a social media outlet. They need constant content. There's no reason that you can't approach these promoters and say, hey, I'd like to cut a promo. You can drop it on your Facebook, you know, ask for some pointers. Can I talk about this guy? Can I talk about this show? Would you like me to say something specific? There's all kinds of ways you can get reps in, guys, and you need to be actively looking for that. But we're not here to talk about avoiding botches. We're here to talk about what happens when you do actually botch, and it's going to happen. So, as a heel, um, a botch can actually be a positive for you. You're supposed to be hated. If you say the wrong name of a town or mispronounce someone's name, lean into it. Who cares what this town is called? It's your mission to be disliked, guys. You say the wrong name of a town? Cool. What's this place called? You know what? I don't even care what this place is called. What's his name? Who cares what his name is? You know, just own it, guys. Just act like you didn't mess up, even though everyone knows you did, including yourself. Just act like you don't care. Act, act so lackadaisical about it that it just doesn't matter. Because it is your mission, right, to be disliked. And... um Treating a town or a, a fan with disrespect is a great way to accomplish that right there. It's a great way to be, you know, hated. I mean, and that's what you're trying to do. That's your job, right? You're trying to get hated. So as a baby face, it's a bit more tricky. Um, the best way to spin like a similar situation where maybe you mispronounce a town or something um, is to kind of get your 
opponent involved, you know, maybe as a focus of frustration. And hopefully, I mean, hopefully, remember guys and gals, this is a team effort. So just because you're in there one-on-one with an opponent, you know, you're both actually working together to put on a great performance. So hopefully, if the babyface messes up and he tries to lean into switching the focus to the heel, the heel picks up on that and accepts that as like, yeah, okay, let me put the heat back on myself because we want the babyface to get cheered. So get them get them involved as a point of frustration. Um, you know, you could you can just deliver it something like, you know, yeah, I mispronounced this town's name, but um, at least I don't dress like that guy. You know, there's there's plenty of ways, cheaper ways you can get into it. It's going to be uncomfortable no matter what. Trust me. But um, remember this. Generally speaking, people are there to have a good time. So typically, if you are a babyface, you know, or heel, and you're doing your job right, they're going to forgive you or they're going to lean into it. Um, as long as you just progress forward and keep on moving and give them some quality entertainment. So before we move on, I want you to join us on Instagram, okay? I want you to just look up at how to become a pro wrestler because I'm dropping some cool images, some graphics, some, some, some neat stuff on there every single day. Just give us a like on Instagram, follow us. We post all kinds of cool videos, pictures, and good stuff on there. It'll get you up to date on the podcast and when the new ones drop every single week. All right, so let's move on to a little bit more serious stuff. So mid-match botches, where you're actually in the ring, having a match, and you botch. Something goes wrong. So these are the ones that can kind of make or break you as a performer. There's, there's an episode, I think it's one of the do's and don'ts episodes, and you can go back and look through the, the descriptions to find out which one, where I say that a pro wrestler needs to learn how to call it in the back and in the ring. And this is where that really comes into play, guys. So, if your plan inside the ring didn't happen to perfection, you'll still have the ability to call the next movement and to cover your botch, your mess up. And the average fan will never notice that you deviated from the game plan. Never in a million years will they know that you changed plans. Um, some of my absolute best matches I have had quote-unquote botches in that no fan would ever be able to spot, ever. Because we have moved on seamlessly by just doing what we need to do to progress to the next instance and not even bring any attention to what happened. Um, so one of the best ways to recover from a botch spot is the classic way. This is what I was trained from the very beginning. Grab a hold, boys and girls. Just grab a hold. If something goes wrong, if a strike doesn't come off as planned, if a move, a sequence just gets interrupted somehow, unfortunately, grab a hold. Snatch your opponent in a headlock, grab them in an arm bar, grab them in a bear hug, a waist lock. Just get something on them to where now you're close together. You're, you're, you're nearby to where you can speak to your opponent in the ring without bringing any attention to you. And you can refocus. If your opponent zigs instead of zags, it can a lot of times lead to a panicked attempt to set things straight where you're running like crazy people around the ring. That's what you don't need to do. Reality is you simply need to grab and apply a hold. That's the best way to get things recentered. Let that heart rate come down because you're kind of in a panic because you just botched. I get it. Nobody wants to do it, but it happens. Make some clear decisions with your opponent where to get to next. All right. So let's move into the ugly side of botches. Injuries. Very unfortunate thing. We hope that it never happens to you, but it does sometimes happen. Where a botch happens, and really why I can put this in the botch category 
Uh, well, of course, getting injured is never planned. So technically, I guess, by definition, it would be a botch. But I want to talk about injury botches here because I'm kind of referring to the ones where an injury takes place, but your opponent doesn't know that it took place. Like, like, and that happens sometimes. Like, because what do we do as wrestlers? We sell, right? We take a punch to the stomach. We grab our stomach. Oh, my stomach. Oh, my ribs. You know, it hurts, right? If you're doing your job. Sometimes we do that so well that we actually have a broken rib and our opponent thinks that we're just selling their punch, their kick, their strike, whatever it was. But in reality, no, no, we're trying to say, hey, wait a minute, my ribs are broken. Like, you know, that, that happens. So it can be difficult at mid-match to even realize if an opponent is injured. Sometimes selling of a real injury looks just like traditional selling. This is where referees can really come into play. A well-trained official is constantly making sure that wrestlers are okay mid-match and communicating back and forth between them to deliver that message. You can see a lot of times in matches where a referee might squeeze the finger, squeeze the hand of a wrestler real quick, two seconds, just, just real quick, just to get that little squeeze back to make sure, hey, he's okay. He, he's okay. Because, guys, this stuff is dangerous. I know that we, you know, we, we kind of take that for granted sometimes, right? But, I mean, taking a body slam, being picked up upside down and then dropped as hard as, you know, as, as your momentum allows on your spine is a dangerous thing. So the referee checking to be like, hey, let's make sure that that wasn't the, the last straw and his back didn't break on that one. Squeeze his hand real quick and then let his opponent know, hey, he's good. Real quick, it's all it takes. So a great referee can really help manage the injury botch and make sure that communication is happening between the two opponents. Make sure, hey, your opponent's injured. I need you to back off while I take care of things. You know, a good referee, if they find out that there's an injury, they're going to step in between and really, really get involved and make sure that nothing happens. Because that, I've seen it happen. I've seen people get injured, their opponent not realize it, and then walk right up and kick them in the ribs when their ribs are already broken. You know, that's, that's a crazy thing. Or someone gets knocked out. That's one I've seen before as well. Someone gets knocked unconscious. Their opponent doesn't realize that. So what do they do? They just jump in the air and drop an elbow on them. An unconscious man. You can't do that, guys, because they can't protect themselves. They can't use their training to protect themselves. So the referee can really come into play there to help communicate that. So if you think for a second that a real injury has occurred, if you, if you genuinely, through your mind, think, man, I think he might have actually just got hurt, you know, whether he did or not. You just actually think, e, I think he might have got hurt. You can move to your referee. You can kind of nonchalantly deliver your concern. You know, it could be as easy as looking at the ref and going, check him. That right there works tremendously. It's worked for me in the past. Check him. Let the referee go check them to make sure. Everything may be perfectly fine. And that's what we hope. And most of the times it is. But if you actually think for a second that an injury could have taken place, it doesn't hurt to ask. So... If the referee isn't capable of helping here, and I say that because there, unfortunately there's been plenty of times where I've been in the ring with an inexperienced referee or maybe even someone that doesn't have any business being there. You know, It happens sometimes in wrestling where you get someone who just isn't capable of helping in these situations. What you do here is you proceed with caution. You know, it's better to, it's better to proceed with caution in these instances. Communicate with your opponent. This can be done again by grabbing a hold. Grab a hold, grab it easily, communicate with your opponent. Hey man, are you okay? Nonchalantly, don't let the crowd see. Of course, that's what you're there to put on a performance. Ask if everything's okay. If it is okay, proceed business as usual. And 
ultimately your opponent, no one is going to care that you grabbed a hold in that situation where maybe you weren't supposed to, maybe it wasn't planned that you would grab a hold. No one's going to care because you were seriously trying to make sure that your opponent was not injured because we're not trying to hurt each other for real, guys. We're going to have bumps and bruises and scrapes and scratches and all that stuff. That's going to happen because it's a very physical sport. But we're not out there to actually hurt someone, break bones, and bust up body parts, okay? We don't want our opponent to get injured. Ultimately, we're working together to put on this performance. So, it's always better to ask before you try to attempt a move without communicating at all. So, wrap it up, guys. Ultimately, you have to remember that the show must go on. Small botches will go unnoticed by the average fan. But big or small, the worst thing you can do is draw added attention to a botch by getting frustrated and breaking your performance inside the ring in front of everyone. So, all right, guys. Once again, I'm going to ask you to please subscribe. Give us a rating on iTunes and Spotify. Please leave us a review. Please share your favorite episode. I'm sure you know somebody that could benefit from listening to How to Become a Pro Wrestler. So, guys, thank you so much. We talked about some cool stuff today. And uh, we will talk to you next time. So, thank you. For listening to How to Become a Pro Wrestler, the podcast where we teach you the skills you need to go from your living room to the main event. Don't wait for your opportunity. Take it. <laughs>